You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to Mama's Talking Loud. Jess and I love bringing these stories to you, amplifying the journey of the working artist mom, supporting the struggle, and striving to change the social safety net. But we need your help. If you haven't already, we would so appreciate if you would follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. This is the way we can continue to raise awareness and change the narrative. And if you want more insight into our world, please follow us on Instagram at Mama's Talking Loud, on Twitter at Mama's Talking Pod, and on our website, www.mamastalkingloud.com. Trigger warning. The following episode contains sensitive content and may be upsetting for some of our listeners. Please listen with care. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. Today's guest earned a Tony Award for her performance as Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton, has an incredibly full television and film resume, including the starring role in the powerful The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, and she can currently be seen on the new series Girls 5 Eva as Wiki Roy. This mama joins us today to share how prioritizing life and keeping the faith buoyed her on the emotional and very difficult journey to motherhood and her two beautiful children. Proof that however your babies are meant to come to you, they will. Here's our conversation with Renee Elise Goldsberry. Welcome, Renee. We are so excited that you are here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited. Thanks, guys. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. We The first question we ask all of our guests uh, is to tell us about your kids, because it's not something we talk about a lot in our industry. Oh, I have two kids, Benjamin and Brielle. They are 12 and 8, which is strange to say out loud. Um, and they're phenomenal and you know, crazy and funny and brilliant and just really the the joy in my life. Yeah. 12, you're getting close to that teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerously. This morning when I woke my son up, I, you know, I, I told him to stand up so I could see if he had, you know, gotten taller than me. I figure by the end of the summer, but he's, I still have a slight edge, a slight oh. edge. Just wait. I'm sure it'll be like over the summer, he'll come back to school and he'll have grown like three or four inches. My gosh. And you're a tall girl. You're I'm actually, you know, I, I just, I feel shorter. I mean, when your kids get bigger, it's, I just, I'm kind of, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch them grow into their fullness, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I, and I, I don't know that it, it can't, it, it is diminishing in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're, I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's a very proud moment. I, I, I sometimes try to think about my parents and how it must feel to have, you know, fully functioning adults that, you know, came out of you. Like that's a strange <laughs> strange thing, you know, when they're actually really good at things that are separate than just, you know, things that everybody does like walk, you know, how right. exciting that was, they were, yeah. you know, the walking and yeah. they said words and all of the things that every, you know, that, that we, we think are really huge things and they're relatively normal. And, uh, but what happens when they actually are really strangely good at something? Like, yeah. I, I just think I can't, I'm kind of blown away by by, you know, your kids growing into the unique people they're going to be, you know, with talents that have nothing to do with you. That's very exciting to me. Yeah, for sure. 
like like independence I feel like I mean I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old and I'm like with my four-year-old right now I look at him and I'm like oh you are you are becoming you like this is the beginning of you becoming you and it's a really it's just fascinating you were gonna say something Jess no I was just gonna say like for me it's it is interesting because like I grew up in a theater family and so all we did was theater and dance and everything like that and Elliot while she's interested in it she's she's almost seven but she is drawn to sports and she loves track and she's really fast and she's so she's super athletic which is a completely different different world yeah. for me yeah um, you know but I'm excited I'm like oh my god what will that be like to have someone who doesn't do the things I do, you know, right. my husband's an actor too. Like we're all, you know, so it's, I can't wait. It's, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's crazy. And then, and then just being kind of dwarfed is interesting. <laughs> um, it's just an interesting, it's a, it's a, it's a really fascinating journey. That's never, that's never not surprising. That is the truth. That is, that is very much the mom truth right there. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we have a whole series on our podcast about the journey to motherhood. And we've talked to a bunch of different um, actresses about their journey. Stephanie J. Block, Lisa Gaida, um, lots of different ways in which people become mothers, right? And you have a really interesting path that took you to motherhood. Um, You struggled a little bit and then your second child uh, you adopted. Can you talk a little bit, kind of walk us through maybe your decision to to start trying to have kids and then how that went for you? Yeah. um, Well, I always wanted them. Um, (laughs) I I actually wanted more than I have currently. Um, But I, um, I didn't, uh, I guess I thought, you know, you, you know, when you're in this business, you're trying to figure out how you'll balance the things and you typically have an idea of how it's going to go. Like I'm going to have this career, I'm going to get it really established and then I'm going to have children. And, and I, I just sometimes, you know, think that, you know, God hears us making plans and just laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> um, and I, I, I sometimes actually hate coming up with ideas because I feel like if I come up with it, you know, it means it's not going to happen in that way just because it's less interesting then, you know, some, something that is, you know, some journey that's, like I said, surprising. Um, so yeah, I, um, I started trying, I think around third in my like early thirties to have kids, um, maybe 32 ish. I'm not really sure. And that really just meant kind of like removing the net thinking, you know, all the, all of that, you know, that, you know, as soon as I did, I was going to have children and it didn't, I think maybe about a year in, I started to wonder what's going on. Um, and then I, um, started, I think I, I, I did actually get pregnant. Um, and I had a, a miscarriage, um, my first pregnancy just right after the, just towards the end of the first trimester, which I thought was just tremendously traumatic. Um, and I think that's actually very normal. Um, and, uh, and then my second pregnancy was much more, you know, was went much further and, um, was actually the traumatic miscarriage. Cause I ended up having a second try second trimester miscarriage that's that second time um and i uh and and then you know it had a just a series of of you know what they called you know miscarriages at different stages of the road uh, uh gosh maybe five before oh, wow. my son was born which was my sixth pregnancy and in the in the mid in the midst of all of it was you know a lot of professional triumphs and and opportunities, you know, that kind of were coming up and me always trying to balance along the way, um, having children. And the beauty of it for me is that it became very clear to me, um, because, you know, opportunity kept coming through for work 
but the challenge was, you know, figuring out how to have a successful pregnancy. And uh, I think it's, it's beautiful when I look back now, because it never is lost on me what was and is the most important to me. And I think that gets confusing, but whatever, you know, whatever seems to come the hardest, we typically sometimes value more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm, you know, now, you know, I'll, I'll speak more about, you know, the journey to both children, but, you know, 12 years into being a mother, um, when, you know, I'm still working and I'm still having opportunities that, you know, potentially can take me far away from these children I worked so hard for. Um, I'm glad that this, the, this journey began with a very clear, um, just a very clear purpose of, and, and a very clear awareness that if I had to choose between these two things, there is absolutely no question it would be children. Um, I used to say, if I, if at the end of my life, I could be sitting around a bunch of trophies, you know, <laughs> Emmys and Tonys and Oscars, or a bunch of ungrateful descendants, I would always pick the latter. <laughs> um, you know, it was just very clear to me that, you know, there was that, you know, that's what I really wanted. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I kept trying and I tried aggressively. And I, I think the trying is something, you know, people have different experiences having children, but I think the, the, the endurance you have is, is different. You know, some people, you know, go through one, you know, loss and they're like, I'm out, I'm done. That was too painful. Um, for me, the alternative was too painful. So I, I just kept trying like, you know, some way or another, this home is going to have children until I feel my heart feels like, like, you know, I can paint the picture over the, over the fireplace. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because you can't really paint that picture. I mean, you're going to have to paint it again if you keep having kids. (laughs) So I was always waiting to when I was ready to like commission the piece of art, you know, that had my family. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I had my son, Benjamin, um, that was my sixth pregnancy. And, um, and then after I had Benjamin, um, I tried right. I think I stopped breastfeeding relatively early because I wanted to, I already felt like I had waited a long time. And, um, and I was unsuccessful. I was even more, I was, my pregnancies were less successful than they had been the first time. And we could not find any like reason, you know, clinically why we, we were not successful. We couldn't figure it out. Um, the only piece of information we, we got was some kind of a chromosome similarity between my husband and I, they told us. Um, it's, it's something that they say um, that this country, I don't know, it's been a while, but like, they don't even believe it's true in this country. Like I had to go to England and other places to find doctors that would acknowledge the one thing they could maybe find that was a reason for our, our, you know, our pregnancies not coming to full term. Um, and, uh, so yeah, when I had, um, when I was trying to have the second child, um, I was confused because I didn't want to do anything that risked me physically because I was already a mother, but I also felt very strongly that, um, my family wasn't finished and I really wanted a sibling for my, my son. And, um, I ran into a really good friend, uh, Carrie Butler, who you should also have on the show if yeah. you haven't yet. We've have asked her. We, yeah. We've asked her a couple of times. It's never been the right time, but okay. we can get but her she, soon. She is, uh, she's a part, there are a lot of women that you could have on the show. LaShawn's there are a lot of women. We, we had LaShawn. Yeah. There are yeah. a lot of, um, women along the road, mothers and some women who are not mothers who are, you know, get, you know, huge praise for their participation in my journey to being a mother. And those two are, are a few of them, but yeah, Carrie Butler and I went out to lunch one day. Um, I had just taken a Christmas picture with my son and my 
New York Lonely Boy. If you've seen Girls 5 Eva, you'll know what that is. I just started it this morning. Okay. Um, I had a New York Lonely Boy at the time, which is my one child and as a New Yorker. Um, and we took we did a Christmas photo shoot. And then I went across the street and met Carrie for uh, lunch. And in about 10 minutes, I was bawling my eyes out because I just knew that my next child, I was going to go down the road that they had gone on two times to adopt from Ethiopia. And a year later, I brought home my daughter, Brielle, which was oh. another miracle. Both of my children are miracles for, for a, a lot of reasons that I won't take you through on this podcast, because I know you want to talk about a lot of different things, but, um, but they're both absolute mir- miracles. Their, their, their journey here was, was fraught and challenging and in the end, victorious. That's, that's incredible. It's, um, you know, I was struck by you speaking to the losses. I'm so, I mean, I can only imagine how, how difficult and traumatic that was at the time. And, but I, what, what has stuck with me is you speaking to how clear it made your focus and your priority. And I think so many people, you know, so many people in this industry struggle with that. You know, I mean, we hear girls who are in college or who are in programs who are thinking, I'll never be able to have a baby. You know, I'll never be able to have children. How am I going to be an actor and be in this business and have children? And, and that's a huge reason why we started this podcast is just to tell the stories and amplify the fact that it can happen. And I think that for you to have such clarity with regard to that part of your life, that's incredible. I mean, I know for me, I was sort of of the like, oh, well, we'll try. And if we don't, I guess it's, you know, maybe it's not for us. And whereas you were just, you were set, you knew. And Kara has said that too about herself. She knew she wanted two children. Yeah. And to to have that so that you could keep that, your eye on that final um, wish and dream that you had and the hope and keep going. And while all these other things are happening, you know, we hold all these, the accolades and the, and the ups in our careers, we hold them you know, in such high regard to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, like you said, if if you were going to be surrounded by trophies or ungrateful descendants, you know, <laughs> you want the yeah. latter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's a challenging, um, kind of proposition if, if you believe you have to choose, which I, I, I don't believe. Um, I think, I, I don't think you have to choose, but, but, you know, for us, you know, when you're, you know, before I was playing with baby dolls, I was, I had a, I had a brush and I was singing in the mirror. Like they're both, you know, they're both, you know, dreams that meant everything to me and were huge parts of my identity. So to be clear, to, for, first of all, to think that you have to choose is traumatic. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, but then to, but, but to know that even, even if at the end you don't have to choose, which I, I said, I don't believe you absolutely have to, um, prioritize and, um, and you have to risk. And, um, I think, I think what I tell people, and it's not just women, it's not just mamas, it's potential papas as well. What I tell them all the time is that it is counterintuitive, but it is absolutely true that babies bring blessings and you can't assume that you have to have everything together before you have children. It's a very good idea to have a good partner. (laughs) You're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to pick something to get lined up before you have children, it would be the father slash slash partner. Um, 
um, but um, but in terms of my career is in the perfect place, my body's in the perfect place, my finances are in the perfect place, I live in the perfect place, all that stuff, um, that is, I think, a lie from the devil. <laughs> I think that is a lie from the pit of hell, and it stops, it, it puts so many people in a situation where they wait so long that the size of the family or they start making, you know, the, the, the dream is, is somehow or another compromised. Yeah. Um, because in my life, as, as an example, you know, every, the more dependence I got, the more successful I became. I find that fascinating. I've always said in my life as well, when I started to make decisions for my life above my career, things just really clicked in a really strange way. When I started to make decisions that, that were forming the life that I wanted, looking toward the future, everything just kind of like started to fall into place in a really wonderful way in the way that I envisioned. Um, the thing that I, that I am struck by is that you were enduring all this loss on your journey to having a baby, but you're, and I know this from a little bit of research on when you were on Busy Phillips podcast, but <laughs> you you were, your star was on the rise. You were going through all these incredible um, successes in your career. And I just can't imagine what that balance was, the emotional weight that you were carrying of trying to become pregnant and also the emotional commitment it takes to create new roles and be in new works. And how did you balance that? Was one kind of an escape from the other or was it, I don't know, how was that cohesive in your life? Well, it's interesting um, because I, you know, had a lot of guilt, you know, my, you know, all of those pregnancies are really kind of tied, those early miscarriages and whatever are, by early, I mean, like, you know, back in the day, early miscarriages, um, I, they were always like related to a job, you know what I mean? I was always somewhere at a job when, you know, something went wrong or was went right, you know, and uh, so I, you know, I, I mark them by what job I was doing, you know, when I was the first pregnancy I was on one life to live. And I remember having, you know, the one day I actually walked off the set and couldn't shoot was the day, you know, that I was actually hemorrhaging because of a miscarriage. You know what I'm saying? So I remember that moment. I remember my second pregnancy. I was in one life to live and I was in Shakespeare in the park. And, um, I, you know, and it was a beautiful time because I was very successfully pregnant for a very long time. And we were putting plants in front of me on TV and, you know, we were, um, we were growing my dresses that I went into, I left, I left two gentlemen of Verona in the park at Shakespeare in the park and went to do the color purple. And they knew that I was, you know, when I, when they offered me that job, I had to disclose to them, I'm three months pregnant. And they wanted me to do it anyway. And uh, we're, they're like, we'll just grow dresses. And if you could just do it for a couple months, I was like, okay, I, I just, just to, just to, to, um, you know, to affirm the point that you just made, I, um, I think there's something about physics and the energy of you putting your focus somewhere else that leaves room, that leaves a void for things to come to you. Um, which is why I say it might be counterintuitive, but it absolutely works. Like I'm sitting there telling these people that are trying to give me a job of a, an original Broadway show. <laughs> thank you so much. But, you know, tell Alice Walker, I said, thank you, but I can't do it because I'm three months pregnant. And they're like, oh no, can you just do it for a couple months? We'll just build you dresses that grow. So it was a very beautiful, I think, you know, there's something about, you know, like you said, you know, I, I was showing up for everything. Okay. Um, and, um, but I, I had, I did have some guilt when I did that, when I lost that baby there, uh, because I was so busy 
Um, I think the night I lost that baby, I think I did, a, I, you know, I, I probably shot one life to live in the morning. I did the color purple that night for a show. Um, there was a thing called Broadway meets country. Oh yeah. Um, there was this thing where they took Broadway stars and country what? music stars and you got to do a show, um, like, like a big, like whatever, uh, kind of a gala kind of cabaret. And we did it, um, at Lincoln center that night after I sang my country music song with, you know, um, I think, you know, islands in the stream or whatever the hell we sang. Um, <laughs> that's the night I had this miscarriage. And so I, I was so busy. There was, you know, everybody used to say to me, Renee, you know, just lay down, you know, have a baby, relax, lay down. And when they said it, it was like out of love, but it was, I always heard it as an indictment. Like, oh, maybe I had lost these babies because I was moving so fast. But the irony um, is, is actually, I think the only reason why I had a successful pregnancy at all was because I was moving so fast. It's, it's hard to explain, but if you believe the theory of what's actually wrong with me, um, my body actually needs, needed to be that busy, to be as successful as it was, which is why my son, the this pregnancy that I had was so successful, was when I was in rent. I was literally hanging upside down <laughs> on the rafters <laughs> with tight glue pants on right. and like high, you know, those high platform boots when that pregnancy implanted and, and was a successful nine month pregnancy. So, you know, it's just crazy, but so much of my story is just really counter- intuitive. And, um, and I do believe that the, the, the sense of entitlement that I felt like I could go for both of these things, I was going to prioritize having children, but I could actually go for both of these things is the reason that I have children at all. And, um, and the reason why, you know, we're still here fighting this battle of, am I going to go do the show that takes me away from here at night sometimes? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, Incredible for me to wrap my mind around all of these things that you were going through and how you're talking about that actually was creating the space to allow the babies to come Absolutely. to come through. Yeah. Physiologically um, allow yeah. the babies to come through. Yeah. 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 Like, now, everybody has a different story. There are some women that probably have to go on bed rest for whatever reason. My, you know, what was, what was going on with a, with an embryo being successfully implanted for me was that it needed to, you know, my, my body was attacking an embryo. That's what, that's what a miscarriage really is. Somehow or another, the embryo is compromised before it implants. And when I was that tired, that exhausted, that, that stressed out, the embryo, there was other things for, the, for my immune system to do, and the embryo got through. It's a strange, strange thing. No, but the universe kept throwing those opportunities at you. They're me. like, I'm going to keep yeah. you busy. Don't worry. Yeah. You, we're yeah. going to keep you really yeah. busy. I mean, it's just incredible. I just also am thinking about you and those uh, blue pants, like just Mimi. <laughs> Just Mimi, how long did you go in that? Like, I can't imagine, you know, just would you like my candle? And you're like, you know, with your belly or whatever. But. Oh, well, so actually, no, so I wasn't. I, I I took a pregnancy test the day after rent closed. Oh. You know, I mean, I don't know how wow. much detail we're going into here, but we all know what implantation bleeding is, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so um, I, you know, I, I remember we were, we filmed the closing of rent, the closing performance of rent. We were literally brought in to just do, I was, I only did rent for three months, but we were, we were hired to be in the closing company of rent and to be for it to be filmed on Broadway. It was a celebration of the end, which was so brilliant. And, um, before I remember like right before I went down to the stage to shoot it, I thought I had started my period. 
I just remember, so I was not happy. I remember being like, really, God? Like, I'm about to go film this thing. I thought I had started a period, but the beauty was it was actually implantation bleeding. So the day after rent closed, I took a pregnancy test and I and I just had the greatest secret in the world for that about just, nine months. I just burst into tears over it, to be honest. Like, that's just so magical with God so in the you, universe yeah. being like, now you can. This is ending, and now you can. And the, and what's beautiful for me is when I look at that um, performance, you know, when I look at that, it's because it's saved. You know, I, I, it's like, it's like, it's not like a baby's, it's literally like a moment of implant. Like it's, it's that, that embryo for once after all those times when I'm hanging upside down on film right. <laughs> is actually burrowing in, in the way that it actually made it. It's, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. That really and my is. daughter is a miracle too. You know, like my daughter, I, I, you know, I, I went to Ethiopia to bring my daughter home, you know, like out of some, you know, movie, like some, you know, Sally Fields movie or something. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and I thought to myself, you know, that's it. You know, I, this is it. I've been through it. And I finally have this blessing. I finally have this family. I'm done. I'm going to sit in this house and I'm going to knit things and I'm going to celebrate that the, I have these two children here and this family is so beautiful and so perfect. And it's such a, it's such a gift from God while they were calling me um, and harassing me to listen to the, to the demo of satisfied, <laughs> you know? And I was like, no, I'm, I finally got this thing. I finally got what I want. And um, fortunately I, I was open-minded when I heard the demo and decided that, you know, we could, we could bond as a family while I was in Hamilton. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's incredible how the universe takes care of God, the universe, you know, the spiritual, yeah. it's like, it truly is that I, I believe that, that it's like, we've talked about once you have a baby and you walk into an audition room, like your priority is, is not, is no longer the weight of being in that room is not the same as it was possibly back in the day before so you true. had a child, you know? And so like, there you were in Africa and you were getting Brielle and you were getting ready to bring her home. And Lynn's like, listen, 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 yes, yes. you know what I mean? And he, you're like, he didn't know who I was. He wasn't uh, like, listen, listen, listen. But definitely the cast, thank God for Bernie Telsey and, <laughs> and Oscar from the public. Yeah, you know, for sure. They absolutely were like, you know, somebody's gotta be able to wrap this, Renee, please. We think you can do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, my husband says, you know, and, th and this is something that was really healing to me while I was trying to figure out how to have the second child, you know, the beauty of having children is not that you don't go through the same lows. It's just that the valleys should be more shallow, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the beauty of children is that you really can't, you shouldn't wallow <laughs> or you really can't, we, you know, we can't wallow yeah. as long as we would because there's a thing there that's like, feed me, mm -hmm. change me, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and so that, that definitely helps me even now is, you know, we still, you know, there are still battles that we go through, but you know, the valleys are a little bit more shallow with children because they're, they're pretty loud and they're pretty demanding <laughs> and they, and they kind of force us to take these things a little less seriously and focus on what's really important. And, and I also think contribute to the quality of our work too, at the end of the 100%. day, 100%. I mean, the value of that experience and what it gives us and the depth of our experience and what we can portray, you know, you just can't underestimate that. I feel like, I mean, my ability, we talk about this all the time, but my ability to cry on a dime is like, like <laughs> so it had never time. been before. Like you need me to cry. I got this. <laughs> it is not <laughs> an issue. And, it is, and it's genuine. Like it's yeah. not, you know, there's yeah. no faking. Going oh, you want on pain? Here. I got pain. I'll show yeah. you. <laughs> What, I, I, one eye or two <laughs> are we going like full-blown like heaving sobbing because i can give you that too 
We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I love that they just want to do so much. They're like, it's fine. We're going to make it work. But that is just, so many people in our industry are so afraid to even say that they're pregnant, to like let that cat out of the bag because of, I mean, not for nothing, but people have been taken out of the game by it. People have said like, I'm not going to hire you then, you know? Um, And I just think it's amazing that they fought for you. You literally were saying like, no, I can't do yeah. this. Like, well, because no, I had can't. done, I had done the first three months of um, Shakespeare. I was first of all, there's double duty. Double duty is, um, you know, the soap opera during the, you know, which is the five six a.m. hours, and then going to the theater at night. I don't know how Renee. That is, it insane. was so hard. Yeah. So, and I had fibroids. That that was one of the big issues. I, I had multiple issues in my pregnancy situation. One of them was fibroids. The other one was, I think, I learned later a blood clotting disorder. But once we got those things straightened out, then we still had an issue. But those are there was multiple things going on. Um, so I had really terrible fibroids in that first pregnancy. So when I was doing double duty and the exhaustion of being in my first trimester and then going to the park at night to do this amazing show, um, uh, this two gents with like a huge Afro and these like really beautifully engineered, you know, boobs, uh, in this costume, (laughs) um, with this great, you know, rock music. Um, you know, it was just a wonderful, it was, it was really a career defining moment for me to be in that particular production. But I wasn't telling anybody that I was pregnant. I was, and it was first trimester um, pregnant. And so I was um, exhausted and I was nauseous and I was excited. And um, when the show ended, I got like these really great reviews, which is I think why The Color Purple wanted me because I had this, I was like, had this darling New York Times review. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think they really just, and, I, and the part they offered me to play was Nettie, which was not like a huge role in the color purple, but they thought if she's a review darling, maybe, we, maybe it'll help us get some good reviews. I think right. maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, diminishing my actual audition and value, but, um, <laughs> but there were, there were reasons why, um, I think they took the risk, but what's most important to say two things. First of all, um, uh, there was, um, I got really good advice when I was there. Cause I was like, should I do a, sh- I'm tired. Should I do a show in my second trimester? And a friend told me, I want you to know the in your first trimester, you are depleted. It's like you're divided by two because you're, you know, your, your body is building a human being, but in your second trimester, it's like your superwoman. You, that, that being is fully formed. It's just growing. So you have, you're like times two, you have the power of two. You're going to feel like you can fly. And she was totally right. In the second trimester, I mean, I, I, I've never been pregnant with a girl, so maybe it's different if you guys have daughters um, that you, that you had to build in your body and maybe that's more exhausting. But for my son, I did in my second trimester feel like superwoman. I did feel like I could take over the world. It was not physically challenging in that way. I think it's a good time to do 10 out of 12s. There you it's go. It's a good time to do 10 out of 12s. <laughs> if someone will if someone will expand your dresses, it's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not so bad at all. I will say I have a girl and a boy and it was actually more tiring for me to build my boy than it was really? for me. But I already had the girl when I was pregnant with the boy. So okay. maybe that has maybe that. Who knows? Yeah. And you were Who still knows? doing eight shows a week, Kara. You had a toddler yeah, and doing, you were doing eight shows a week. So. Right. But I was to that point, I was going to say you were already prepared by doing that because you were doing double duty on TV and theater, not double duty of like doing a workshop of a show during a day and then and then doing the show at night. You had 5 a.m., 6 a.m. calls. It was exhausting. So you are really well prepared for having a baby. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, like you were good to go to like yeah. have that baby get up early and Squeaky then go do your show. Pop. 
or to sleep. Who needs it? Yeah, I um, think that's true. That's true. I, and, but to answer your question about uh, telling people what you're going through, um, yeah, I mean, maybe I maybe I lost opportunities. Maybe I maybe some people did it anyway. I, I really believe strongly that your journey is your journey, and um, the people that are meant to you know bless you along the way are not going to be able to help it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, yeah. that's what my experience, my experience is, um, I, if I was supposed to do a job, I, you know, there was nothing that was going to stop me. Even if the person themselves was like, why am I hiring her? This is crazy. Um, and if I was not supposed to do a job, it doesn't matter how available, how, how, you know, how, how, how few children I had, how much time I had, how talented I thought I was, was not for me. Yeah. Um, I love the stories. Um, I, I, I'm doing a documentary right now with um, Kelly O'Hara um, about this very thing, about the, about the journey of trying to have children and raise children while you're on Broadway. Um, and I remember seeing Kelly before. Um, I think she did. She was doing what, what? What play was she doing? She was doing a play where she was pregnant. Do you remember which one it was? She did. We had her on the podcast. She was doing. It was an off Broadway. So oh good. Gosh, far so from good. Heaven. Far from and heaven. She was far from heaven. Far from yes. heaven. Far from I saw heaven. her in that. I didn't know her yet, but I saw her in that. I saw Audra in um, in um, what was it? Um, shuffle along. Shuffle along. Um, yeah, I love seeing a pregnant woman. I love seeing a pregnant woman on stage killing it. I just, there's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more powerful. And and the people that hire women that are pregnant, and there are a lot of them. There are people that don't, but there are people that do. They uh, they are that they are out there, mm-hmm. and they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's happening more and more. It's becoming more, more. more of the norm than the exception. And we yeah. just gotta keep talking about it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and amplifying it, showing it as much as we can. Cause it is such a powerful visual statement, right? Yeah. To see a woman doing what she is intended to do beyond her screen. most beautiful. Yeah. 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 I just like, am thinking back to Kara, you doing boyfriends back when you were like 22 weeks my... pregnant with her big old <laughs> belly, just in the sequin and Jersey boys, just like swinging it around. That was amazing. <laughs> and then she would say like the people in the front row, she, she would see like people right pointing, pointing at her like, pointing. Oh, look at her. She's, pre- she's pregnant. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Cause I, I do believe that we, we need to, you know, we need to flaunt it. Like we talk, I pick friends of mine, you know, there's different camps of whether or not to share your children on social media. Um, and that's a personal decision that everyone has to go for. But I think most often the harder the struggle to have the children, the more you're going to see their kids on social media. I'm going to tell you, um, you know, and, uh, yeah. And for me, um, one of the reasons my journey was, you know, public, you know, a lot of those miscarriages, you know, the, the big one was, was, you know, right after they had told the world that I was pregnant was the day that I lost my baby, my second trimester, you know, oh, loss. Um, and I used to be like, why did this happen to me now? I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm pretty private when it comes to those kinds of things, but I'm, I'm so grateful that it happened because, you know, we, that's the reason we, we are so much more valuable, you know, you know, in our, in our struggles than we are in our triumphs. I mean, I always say, you know, you know, no one needs to, you know, see you, see you to figure out how to win a Tony. You know what I mean? I think they can figure it out. You know, they're going to call your name. I'm going to go up there. I'm probably going to cry. You know, that's not something you need necessarily need an example for, but, but you definitely need to know that I know somebody that survived this loss. I know somebody that did that. How did they do it? What did she do? This, that, that actually matters. And there's just not really enough interviews about that. 
Um, and, and I, you know, and I remember I was on a lot of shows with women, like on The Good Wife, Juliana Margulies. I was, I've been on a lot of shows with a woman that was like the number one on the call sheet who was working 12 hours a day that was trying to raise a child. Um, I remember Lashad's in, in, in the color purple where she had, you know, part of her contract where she had a room upstairs in the theater where her kids could come and play. Now, now there's a reason that, you know, one of them is a Broadway star, you know what I mean? <laughs> she was up in that theater. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of examples of women who, you know, are, you know, doing, doing it all. And, um, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it, which is, makes me believe I can. Well, you're doing it. You yeah. are doing it. And I think to that to that end, talking about like the loss and the sharing and seeing it, you you said this in the in the beginning of the episode when you were talking about your uh, losses, is that you you said you made a comment about how first trimester miscarriage that's pretty common. Now you know these mm. are the things like people just don't even know because it's not talked about. You know, there's still sort of the stigma of don't tell anyone until you're out of the first trimester. But if you don't tell, no one knows and then they feel alone if that happens to them. And absolutely. And I think that I think that these conversations can need to continue absolutely and, and keep amplifying it because it's the the loneliness, particularly in this last year or so, I think that people have felt um, the loss of community and being on their own. I can only imagine if you are someone who is going through a loss in that way and feeling that you're on your own and you had no idea. There's not that much we know about. You know, like you said, you thought you'd go off the pill or whatever, and then you'd like be pregnant because we think our whole lives, you know, we're like, oh my God, the minute I miss it, that's, it's going to happen. Well, because you know? we're fighting. That's the crazy thing. We're, we're fighting to not get pregnant. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and we're fighting to get pregnant and yeah. it's, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre turnaround. Yeah, totally. And it's then you realize like, turnaround. you realize like, oh, there's only a few days I can actually get pregnant. Uh, like yeah. when you start to really learn the physiological aspects of it all. So I do think, thank you for you know, for sharing that part of it and part of the journey. And I, and that's why we have these conversations because people do feel alone. And I think that we need to change the conversation with regard to miscarriage and loss and the journey that it, um, that the road that it can be, the hard road it can be. I always tell people, you know, don't assume that you're going to have trouble just because you, because a lot of people do, and you might hear about that. Don't assume that you're going to have trouble, you know, go into it with a positive attitude. Most likely you won't, but if you do, um, it is not abnormal. I mean, what's different about the world we live in and compared to our parents is that they just didn't know they were having, or I mean, like, I, I almost think it's kind of criminal to even call an early miscarriage a miscarriage mm -hmm. as opposed to just a chemical pregnancy or a late, you know, like they just didn't have the information to be mourning right. the losses right. of, of pregnancies that were never going to be viable. Um, because we just know so much more now about exactly what's going on and we put a lot of emotion to it and it's hard, it's hard to not put emotion to it. Um, so that's, that's one reason to talk about them is to understand it is very, very, you know, you, you want, you want the right, you know, you want, you know, when everything is right, it's your child. And until then, you know, it's, 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 it's a stop along the way. And, um, I feel, um, I, well, I think it's important to also say that I, I talk about this really kind of lightly now, um, with an intention to share, share it, but I don't hold pain from even like the most painful moments. I don't hold pain from it because I know that my family <laughs> is very specific and was very destined. And if anything had happened differently, it would not be this. I don't think what I have is an accident. I don't think what I have is, 
you know, somehow or another, um, some compromise or something different than what it would be. I think this is exactly what it's supposed to be. A really good friend of mine, um, that's a guy, actually one of the castmates from, from One Life to Live told me, um, that he believes the Lord resends souls. So I believe, you know, um, I, I don't think that like I missed something I was supposed to have. I believe my children are supposed to be here right now. And I don't believe there's anything, there's any different parenting that happens and any different, you know, any different kind of connection between a mother and a child, whether the child came through your body or whether the child came from the other side of the world. Um, this is a, it's something that I get to live every day. Um, and like, it's, it's a testimony and it's, I'm so grateful for it. I love that thought philosophy. I'm going to take, take little bits of that for my life too. You know, you do there, we become parents in so many different ways and have different experiences. Like I have a special needs child and I, you know, there's a lot of questioning that goes on. Like, why is this my journey? And to take comfort in the fact that this is, this is the journey. This is what was meant for me. And this is my family. I can take a lot of, there's a lot of comfort in that. Um, so thank you for that. I, I, I would love to, just before we wrap up for anybody listening who is considering adoption or something like that. Can you talk a little bit more about that process and what you, that, what advice you might have for it? And then also raising a child that is adopted and a child that's biological, not that anything is different between them, but what kind of conversations you have in your family about that? Um, sure. Um, so the adoption process is very, um, gosh, I'll just say just in general, there are a million ways to have children. (laughs) Um, And I explored a lot of them. And the only reason why I can't say all of them is because it, you know, the, this field changes so fast, you can't even put anything in print about it. Like the, the field of fertility, the, the, the opportunities to adopt, it just, it just, it's so, it fluctuates so greatly all the time. You it's hard to follow the path of somebody. Exactly. You have to find your own path. What you have to follow is, the whatever whatever will they had to keep going that's what you have to follow you know what i mean you have to just keep going um in spite of a lot of i think pain and frustration sometimes you have to keep going cuz and you have to believe that your victory is there but in terms of adoption for me it was um I found somebody that had just done it in Carrie Butler. So I had, I could follow her exactly before that window closed, but there is domestic adoption. There is international adoption and that changes all the time. And it depends on where you're, do- where you're doing it. You know, you can adopt through the foster care system. You can adopt privately. You can adopt. Um, there are just so many ways um, to do it. It's hard to get a one specific route. I, I decided to do international adoption because I knew somebody that had just done it. And, um, I felt like, um, you know, having explored the pros and cons, this would be the perfect thing for my family. Um, but I know people who have adopted successfully and have beautiful families through foster care and through, um, private adoption and through, um, going through a lawyer as opposed to an adoption agency. Um, I also know people that have used surrogates to have children. I also know people that have used, um, gosh, you know, every kind of fertility treatment. Um, and I know people that have actually, um, you know, recognized their motherhood in children that they are actually not legal guardians of, you know? So, um, and I, and I think all of those roads to motherhood are beautiful and valid. And, um, and you know, your second question was, you know, what's the difference? Is there a difference between biological and, and, you know, you know, the adopted child? And I, 
haven't found it yet. Um, I think the thing that is so starkly different about parenting is that there are two totally different souls with two totally different needs and two totally different strengths. Um, and the challenge that they present is, is as unique as our signature. And some of that might have to do from their birth story, but probably very little. Um, and I think um, in my own experience, what children know better than anything is you. They know you better than you know yourself. And I think um, if we, you know, my, what I what I think is important when it comes to having two children, whether they have a different birth story or whether they're just, you know, whatever is different about them, if they're twins even, um, you know, our ideas about what's different about them are what they have to grapple with. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because they're, they're so aware. Yeah. Their survival is being aware of our opinions. And so I'm, I think the greatest thing is to always, you know, be fully prayed up and really, um, and really aware to work on the ideas we have about what kinds of things are going to limit our children. And because they will constantly prove us wrong. <laughs> if we're open-minded about it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see a different in, in a difference in parenting my children other than the fact that they are completely different people and, um, and challenge me in very different ways. Um, the way they got here is something that we're really proud of and, um, and we're always celebrating, um, the difference in the way they got here is, uh, is something that we're just really excited about and makes them really special. I just love it. I just love that, you know, you knew what was meant for you. You knew that this family was meant for you and you didn't stop pursuing it. After. Well, let me just say, I didn't know <laughs> when you were in it. That's, that's, what's crazy. And I don't, I don't want people to think I, I cause I, I didn't know almost everything. <laughs> and, um, and that's, that's, what's so scary, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going to get. I just knew I just desperately needed to try. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And people, I don't, I'm, I'm not a name and claimer. You have, you know, these people that can like, I'm going to claim this thing. I, I knew that I couldn't name and I, I didn't believe that I could, I'm going to have this and I'm going to have that. And I'm just going to keep visualizing it. I'm not good at that. What I, what I know that I'm guaranteed spiritually is peace. So I believed that whatever it was going to be in the end, I was going to have peace about, and that's what I have. Oh. That's the way to do it. I, it makes right. me think of, you know, we always, my husband and I say, you can't miss your destiny. You know, yeah. whatever is for you will be for you one way or another. And you have to trust and believe and, and you did, and you've got this beautiful family. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And an incredible career to boot, which we didn't even really talk about. I know, and I know all the listeners are going to be like, you didn't talk about Hamilton. But <laughs> that's not what we're here for. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you, Renee, for joining thanks, us. Guys. It's just, um, yeah. we're so, we're so happy that you could be here to share with us. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think we've all seen you. I mean, how many words do your kids know to Hamilton, Kara? It's like, you know, it's like the things I hear from people, they're like, my kids watch Hamilton so many times. And now, <laughs> and now we've got Girls 5 Eva with some of our favorite people. So thank you so much for joining us and for taking the time. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks guys. This really podcast is really, really wonderful. So thank you guys for doing all this work. And uh, for sharing your lives. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Likewise. For celebrating women. Holla. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be well.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.